tan skin is like idolized like having like beautiful like olive skin but then when you when you reach a certain point and your skin is darker it suddenly becomes something that's like not beautiful anymore hello this is neem talks race the interview series and this is part two of the first episode where we talked about beauty standards if you haven't listened to part one you really should or it it just makes a lot more sense um but yeah go back if you haven't listened if you did listen shout out to you thank you and here's part two okay so we could just continue from what we were saying i know hana wanted to chip in about like how quarantine has been like productive especially about race and everything going on right now okay so for me it was I think it was after I listened to like your first podcast um it was during quarantine and I was thinking to myself I was remembering how I had a conversation with someone or with my friends and I said to them I was like I just feel white like I don't feel Asian like at all and then I was thinking just like recently or it was like today I was like thinking about that conversation I had and I was like why the hell did I say that? Like, I'm not, like, I'm more Asian than I am white. Like, why did I feel that way? And then that's why I think that this quarantine has been, like, it's been really good for me just because there's been so much time for reflection and just, like, yeah, that's all I had to say was that that conversation that I had. And it was just, like, now thinking back on that, I'm like, that's so messed up. Like, why did I think that I wasn't, like, I thought I was more white than I was Asian. I was just like, yeah, I'm just white. And I think that just comes from growing up in Northwest Portland and just sort of like being surrounded by like literally all white people. Like all my friends growing up were all white. There's like one family down the street that's mixed. The, like the mom is white or the mom is Asian and the dad is white. But there's like no black families around me, no other Asian families, um, no one that I'm friends with that's Asian or any other race. Yeah. yeah. I definitely felt that after the first podcast episode in my mind, I was like, I don't want to take any crap anymore about race like I'm just gonna you know be my like be like my most authentic self when it comes to that stuff because I did a lot of like work outside of Lincoln around social justice and whenever I was with them I was like I did not care like about like being worried about what I would say or how it was perceived even like by the white people that were there like because I was, like, well aware of, like, where they stood on these, like, all, like, intersectionality in general, so I, like, never felt, like, uncomfortable, but when I was, like, at Lincoln, I felt, like, different, like, I was still myself, but not in the sense that I was, like, more confident in my identity, but after quarantine, and, like, even now, it's, like, I don't really care anymore, Mm -hmm. I, like, I could go back to Lincoln right now, and it would be a whole different game, you know, like, yeah, I've thought about it like I but I am different and so now I might as well just like embrace that and like be even more different and like just differently because I yeah. scared of like what I would wear if it was like too extra I would just wear like the same thing and so now I'm like oh I might as well just like try new things and mm-hmm. I'm already like different than other people yeah and I feel like if you're in like the environment like you're surrounded by like all of your white friends like it's easier to just identify with that side of yourself and like it's just kind of like a form of self-preservation to just 
like associate with that and try to become that so that you don't feel like the odd person out. But being in quarantine or in any situation where you're kind of separated from that environment for a long period of time. And like, honestly, for me, even just being with my family, like so much, I'm really like grateful I have my sister, like, and she obviously has experienced everything that I've experienced and can relate to all of that. Like it's easier to kind of become more set and like solid in my own identity and not need that kind of not feel as much of a need to kind of try and embrace or just not try to be so like white. I don't know. Like for me, also getting away from Lincoln in general was just really helpful with that. But I think quarantine and just being with your family and being with people that share your identity helps. Yeah, definitely. I was just scrolling through Twitter looking for things that I wanted to talk about. And one of them was like, when, like, whether it's like white women commenting on like Instagram posts or white people in general, like the way they go about complimenting people that do have darker skin or something, they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing my part as an ally. I just called her my melanin queen, you know, like that type of stuff. Like, that's just so weird. Yeah. I mean, you don't really see people commenting like, hey my snow queen on someone's account or something like that like that's just weird as fuck I feel like you just need to keep that same like if you couldn't comment that on a white person's thing without it being weird as fuck then like don't don't like this is just weird yeah yeah white chocolate (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I saw another thing on twitter that was like how like when you look at the modeling industry or like any sort of like influencing like world um this person said that like fat white women are able to brand themselves around their weight and it tends to absolve them from their race and privilege suddenly then they become like the inclusiveness that the beauty industry seeks while still aligning with european beauty standards whereas black indigenous people of color are always seen as their race first and i thought that was a super like interesting point how like anything like when brands try to like say oh we're inclusive now like they include like bigger white women and not that like obviously like that's fine to show like women with like different body types but it's always interesting how like that's like now inclusivity when it's like still a white woman still looking like the rest of your models just like a different body type and then that does like kind of absolve them of the white privilege like in that so I don't know if any of you guys want to speak on that in general about social media and what's regarded as like inclusive and not I think it's funny how you can like hype women up um like you were saying or be more inclusive or think that it's inclusive hype up women of different I guess body shapes that are like still white but then women of color like it it's still it's like a battle I guess yeah we'll get to body types after body types maybe we'll get to like more diversity and speaking of diversity too with like Black Lives Matter really taking off so many fashion accounts and like in general media accounts are like now posting more black models it's so performative because i saw this one tweet it was like all these emojis of the white woman and then it's like one emoji of a black woman they're like this is what everyone's instagram feeds look right now like it's just like all white models and then they're like oh here's our black model for black lives matter and this is like it which is incredibly performative and if you guys follow like diet prada like they post a lot about that kind of stuff and i've noticed it i stuff that i wouldn't really notice otherwise but because like they kind of pull out all the receipts like there are so many brands that like even like in this past year will have like a full campaign that's like 
99% white people and then suddenly now they're like have all this like Black Lives Matter stuff all over their feed and like want to change their profile picture to Black Lives Matter like all this kind of stuff and like the same with the same with like if you saw the stuff with like I think it was anthropology or like Brady Mobile or something like having like code words for black people that come in so that oh, they yeah. follow them around and like are like hyper aware of them like stealing like but then like now they're posting all of these like artfully designed black lives matter like portfolio things that are like clearly also just for the artistic like like look of their account and it's not it's uh, there's a lot of i feel like all of most of these fashion brands are like purely interested in the performative side of everything and like probably won't like even like next season probably or maybe for like one season they'll like include like people and then like the next season following they're just gonna yeah 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 there's a thing a while ago like brandy melville workers like a majority I think it was like almost in all the stores like when they were trained there's like they all had the same word to like say when like a black person has like entered the store so they could all like keep their eyes on them mm-hmm. that yeah Randy Melville in and of itself is a messed up brand for a lot of different reasons but yeah and yeah. also a lot of stuff um I've been seeing stuff about brands having dress codes for their employees and the dress code is like you have to have a sleek like low ponytail that like just completely excludes anybody that has a different hair texture or a different body type or a different like facial like structure like you have to have like certain like stuff like that where it's just like their standard it's the same it's similar to like always assuming that someone is gonna like straighten their hair for a dance or whatever like it's just to be formal and to be like in a business in a professional setting like you need to like meet these standards that like a lot of people of color can't meet easily or have to drastically change themselves to meet like that's just another like it's just proves that the standard is the fact that this is happening a lot with fashion brands just proves that the standard within those brands is whiteness and like if you're if you deviate from that like it will be difficult for you to enter into that company like even as an employee yeah you're talking about the dance and like straightening and curling it's interesting how when we're younger there's so many standards um for one of color and then it's like as we get older or um like it intensifies and it's i mean a lot of it's like job threatening for a lot of women too Mm -hmm. yeah i remember like this one wrestler he was the referee made him cut off his hair i think because they were like in dreads or something and he was like you can't wrestle with this. And there's just a video of him getting his hair cut off. Yeah, just like sad. Hairstyles definitely impact like more than just like beauty as well. Obviously, I think the reason why it's such a big deal is because it is like tied to beauty in the same way of like whiteness is seen as good and like beautiful. And in the workplace, like we need professional looks and all that's always tied to whiteness in and of itself. But it's just crazy to see how like a lot of these things, like when you go like past beauty standards, like just how persistent it's like still is like with jobs like education and like dress codes and like yeah people were dress coded for wearing their natural hair in some schools like I don't think I don't know if that's a thing in PPS if that's happened but I've seen that in other states which is just crazy people but like decolonize the way we look at beauty standards and what we like deem as like pretty And beauty standards in general, like, the whole concept of beauty is just so whack. Like, I don't know, like, where did that even come from? Like, we're all just human beings. Like, why couldn't we just, like, keep it that way? And why do we have to, like, come up with a whole system of this is, like, for 
prettiest to ugliest like what is what is like what do those words even mean anymore I don't know I feel like a lot of times when we talk about race it always comes back to the idea that there's like categories and like boxes that we have to fit in yeah like any conversation it's like a cycle and it's when is that like ever like gonna stop yeah I feel like talking about like like with like beauty and professionalism and like beauty especially with hair like there's a lot of colorism in that too because like even for me my hair texture is like 3b 3c it's so much easier for me to meet some of those standards than it would be for somebody with like 4c texture hair like which usually is with people with darker skin like it can be like impossible even like to put your hair in like a ponytail just because it could be short it could be like super super tightly coiled like much more tightly coiled than mine like like for me, I feel like that's definitely a way that I'm lucky. Like I can like do things with my hair that would like kind of meet that professionalism standard. Whereas like someone with darker skin and dark, like a different hair texture than mine, like couldn't, like literally couldn't or would have to completely like just give up on like having natural hair at all and would have to just like weave or wig or anything like that. Like, yeah. I can't really relate because I have like really straight hair and my hair is not curly but um I know for a lot of Asian women um the standard it's very uniform and I mean especially in Asia but just like in Japan a lot of women just have like straight like black curly hair or straight black hair and I think for me um I feel like last year I bleached my hair it was like blonde and I was going through like a little crisis and I dyed it like purple and pink and blue and then purple again and then I went back to um, black, but I think that like the struggle with my hair is just like, I don't wanna be like uniform or like the same. And so I always try to like do different things to it and like experiment. Um, but for me, it's just something that I think of as like, as fun. But I know that for a lot of women, it's the struggle, like your hair, it's not something that's fun and experimental or you're able to experiment with it. It's more of like a struggle. Yeah. One thing that I just remembered to talk about was like tanning in general, like white women tanning. Because we like recently, like I hit up a friend of mine, like after looking at photos just of like high school, you know, just like reminiscing on things, I noticed like how much her skin color has changed. Because I like know she tans. And I was looking at the pictures and I was like, wow, like you do not look like that anymore. And like, every day you look like this dark when you used to look like a, just like a normal, I don't know, like you just look, used to look like your normal self. And I don't know, I just like hit them up being like, hey, like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but like you tan to the extent that like you are perceived as like a different race. And I know they've gotten comments about that. So that's why I like didn't feel uncomfortable talking about it. Cause I was like, I know you've gotten comments being perceived as like a different race and you've gotten a lot of compliments on it like as well and I've always found it like so interesting that like the fact that she would get compliments for being like so brown and like the perfect tan color but then I would get like racist comments in school simply because it's easy for people to like point at my arm and then they'd like say something about like me being brown so I was like hey like 
I think you should just be like more aware of like how much you tan like obviously I don't think tanning is like I don't think tanning is like a racist thing to do I think I don't know I think there's like a line where it's like you know what you used to look like before and if you're significantly like way darker and you get praised for it while women of color don't then I think it's time to just like reevaluate tanning in general for you and what that looks like but yeah so tan skin is like idolized like having like beautiful like olive skin but then when you when you reach a certain point and your skin is darker it suddenly becomes something that's like not beautiful anymore to like yeah the standards yeah. yeah and I think that if you're enjoying if you're kind of making decisions that would support that idea that other people would have like that you're a different race like if you speak a different way if you decide to like in addition to just tanning to the point where you're way darker than usual, you're also like choosing to wear a certain style that's obviously typical of a different race. You're speaking in a way that's typical of a different race. Then, and then someone comes up to you and like asks you if you're of a different race and you feel kind of like, yes, like, like that's just, yeah. I feel like that combination of things, like it's clearly like could also just be perceived as like blackfishing or like definitely like, I don't know. I think that if you, <laughs> If people have come up to you and asked you if you're a different race, just that by itself, like you should think about it. Like, am I intentionally like making decisions so that people perceive me this way? And like and some people like take it as a compliment too. Yeah, exactly. Happens. Yeah. And like the same person I was talking about also like has used like AAVE or like tries to put on like an alter egos. Like and I was like, that coupled with tanning definitely is like not good. But they definitely yeah. know more now but even having that conversation was super scary for me because I was like am I gonna lose a friend over this and I was like are they gonna get mad at me and I was but that didn't happen so I just think white women in general if a person of color in particular a woman of color is like coming out being like hey this is cultural appropriation I don't like it when you're wearing henna because you want to be hippie which I have a whole other problem with maybe I'll talk about that but I think people in general just like need to be more open to the fact of like it's like a whole person's identity you're just taking and trying to make it cool and just to be like more accepting of the fact that like they're even like coming up to you and talking about it I mean and especially like with Lincoln like if you're a white person like taking that identity like and still getting like tons of attention from guys and then like somebody that actually has that identity gets nothing. Like, what does that tell you? I feel like just about, again. Interesting point. I've always found it like so like weird when it comes to henna about how like it's seen as like a hippie thing. And like people from school would like come back from the Saturday market after going to like the henna booth. And they'd like be like, well, like look at my hand. It's so like cool or whatever. And like all I don't know like people just take on like an image of like I'm hippie or like chill or I don't know how to explain it but there's something about the way henna is like characterized to be like that whole like image and yeah I I, I always just found it like so weird people would, like just get that done and especially it would always be done by a white person like so I don't know maybe they're more appreciative of the art in that but I always just found it weird because henna was always something I did. Like every time I did it, it was like more tr in a traditional sense, the way it was done, whether it's like for a wedding or like 
for some sort of event, there was always like some sort of traditional connection behind it. And seeing like people pull up to Coachella or like any sort of music festival where the vibes are, you know, people are saying vibes, it's so vibey or whatever. And they're like, I'm going to get henna and like tattoos and like, I'll put like a jewel in between my eyebrows and that's not appropriating the bindi at all. So I don't know. I've always just been annoyed by that seeing just in general, seeing the way things are characterized so different from what it is. And that's like cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, mean, I feel like henna is something that definitely, <clears throat> it would be hard to argue like cultural appreciation for a lot of people just because I don't think, especially like when we were younger, like definitely there were a lot of people getting henna, even like in elementary school and middle school and I had no idea like what the cultural significance of, of like of it was or where it came from and I'm sure that very few other people did so yeah. then at that point it's not like it's the same as like if you're like taking aspects of like any culture and you don't know anything about like the history of it or why it was used or how it like is important to that culture like I mean that is appropriation and like you can't argue appreciation if you have no idea like where it comes mm-hmm. from or what it is like yeah segue into like another thing about because I bet there's like people listening right now where they're like okay well how can I appreciate a culture like how would you respond because everyone's always like okay if not appropriation how do I appreciate then how how would you guys I guess respond or like tell people what that would look like for me I mean that's confusing like for me but when I when I think about it it's like appreciation or to go from appropriation to appreciation first you have to understand like all of the cultural significance around that. And then like, not just the cultural significance, but then the history and like the, tradi- the tradition of like where it comes from. Um, but then also it's like appreciation. It's hard because a lot of times in social media, like because now we have social, a lot of social media, um, it's like it, people only, it's hard because you may, maybe that person does appreciate the culture and they do understand the cultural significance, but then if they post something on Instagram and not everyone knows that they do understand the culture behind it, then it's, you know, then all this like, like cancel culture comes into play and that, yeah. but, um, I, I don't know how I would respond to that. Yeah. I always like also struggle with that. Like <clears throat> it's really difficult to say because it's hard for me to imagine a situation where I'm like completely okay with a white person wearing dreads or a white person wearing like Like, it's hard for me to like imagine the situation like no matter like how educated they are and then also I just feel like I just feel like if you do know the entire like cultural heritage like if you look at like certain types of braids or dreads like like black people wore those styles when they were coming over from like Africa on slave ships so that they could put like rice and coins and other things that they need in their hair for the journey. Like if you like know that history, like why would you, like, why would you want to like put that on yourself? And like, yeah, true. That is, yeah. Like if you really know everything about it, why do you want to? And if it's really about appreciation, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like you're really trying to appreciate it. It feels like you just think it looks cool and like you want to wear it. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like when someone's like wanting to know like the distinction between that in my mind, I was like, just thinking about like as much as a white person, like could research like black hairstyles or 
like I don't think it could get to a point of like them being saying like I appreciate this now therefore I can do it yeah I just like just could not imagine that happening and also like would they tell themselves like oh I clearly appreciate this like I can do it or would someone have to tell them and like kind of check them off being like okay you're good to go you can like walk into the room of black hairstyles and pick whatever you want like is it some sort of like thing that someone has to check you off of because I don't think I don't know I don't think white people can give themselves that pass yeah exactly I mean and it's the same thing as like one like black person or one person of any race can't give you like Mm -hmm. that person's perspective doesn't represent an entire race of people and like if you know that wearing a certain hairstyle or any other part of someone's culture will undoubtedly offend or hurt some people, even if it's not like your direct, like personal friends that you have, like, why would you want, like, I just think that it's safer to just not like, if you know, it's going to, it's like, it's going to cause problems for some people of a race, probably a lot of people of a race, even if it's not your direct, like, connections then you still should just like be respectful of that and then also I feel like it's hard with cultural appropriation just because there's so many things like I there's the things that like we all hear about we all hear more about like like black hairstyles like maybe things like hoop earrings stuff like that like kimonos like there are things that we hear more about that are really frequently like appropriated but there are a lot of things that are also frequently appropriated that we just don't acknowledge or we don't talk about and like I know that like in my life like I have appropriated like parts of other people's cultures and like had no idea that that wasn't okay and like as I've learned I've like obviously like faced those things out but a really difficult question of how to decide because there's just so many like yeah I always am like kind of like worried well but then for me it's like if I ever feel like I'm like looking at something and I'm like okay, I feel like I need to ask someone if this is cultural appropriation. Like, if I have that thought process, then I just decide, like, better to just not. Like, if I have to wonder if it's cultural appropriation, then I think I should just leave it, leave it alone. Can you think of, like, anything, like, you just said there's, like, some, I think, that are, like, more obvious to people with, like, hairstyles, baby hairs. I don't think hoop earrings is, like, talked about as much. Can you think, or can either of you guys, like, think of any sort of, like, cultural appropriation thing that's maybe, like, more lesser known? I mean, it's kind of like the whole kimono thing, but there's, like, those Asian shirts that you see. I, I saw a lot of on Urban Outfitters and also the dresses that are, like, the Asian prints with, like, their traditional, like, Asian cut and just, like, the, the way that they wore it around their neck. There was, like, a little, like, circle or something. When I would see those, like, to me, I mean, I think they're, like, kind of basic at this point. But a lot of girls do think that they're, like, really cute and everything. And when I see, like, people wearing them, I do. It's, like, a white girl. And they'll wear them to, like, a dance or something or just, like, to school. But I – there's, like, a line where it gets kind of confusing because it's, like, yeah, you're taking, like, something from, like, a culture and this brand just, like, totally appropriated it. But then also it's, like, it's kind of hard to, like, get mad at that because it's just, it's just like, a T-shirt, like, design. Like, how do I express myself in a way where I say, like – that is offensive or that is appropriating a culture but without I don't really know how to say that it's like it's just something that's so small and which seems like insignificant but it has like such like a bigger meaning and you and you don't know how to express that I guess yeah also like with tattoos of like Japanese characters or Chinese characters or they take like phrases that are very traditional of that culture and they just 
get it tattooed without really knowing like the meaning of it just because it looks yeah I I saw this one I think it was a TikTok about like uh, could you imagine if like the roles were reversed where like people of color were just getting like tattoos of like I don't know like white phrases like live laugh love and we're like look at this I'm so like cool and like different Ooh, it's in English like (laughs) whoa I don't know I just thought it was funny yeah baby hairs too like I saw like I don't know I feel like I don't know enough about them but like I know when I see a white person do it I'm like but I've seen like non-black people of color and I know it's like a thing in like Latino communities as well to do that but I'll see like people who aren't black or who aren't Latino do it but they're still not white and in my mind I'm like does that excuse them from appropriating or is it like fine because maybe their hair texture is like different I don't know I always just think about it and I'm like like where are the lines drawn like for people of color like in that group in and of itself like between like appropriating like other different races like I feel like that definitely exists Mm -hmm. but I just like don't know what that looks like sometimes for like different things so I mean I feel like I also like struggle with that it's like really hard to say sometimes like and then also I feel like with within the Latino community like a lot of people like well whenever people are saying the n-word like and then feel like justified in that because they also are oppressed and also maybe live in some like the same areas, stuff like that. But it's still, to me, like that isn't okay. And I feel like, but to them or to some people, like it is okay. And it's just hard. It's, I, it's just difficult. Like it's, and it's the same with like, with a lot of, like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It's really hard to say. Like, I really. I don't know. I just like never know where that stands, like for certain people. Mm-hmm. And if that's and like a thing that's one of the things where it really there isn't I don't feel like there's much of a general consensus about it like it feels like a lot of different people have a lot of different things to say about it and it's hard to know like which one you feel is like right just because there are so many and like different people that you respect have different things to say about it like it's just yeah and like I'm not even black or latino to like have like be in the position to like know like confidently like what is right and what is wrong when it comes to baby hairs all I do know is that white people shouldn't do it so I feel confident in that sense but like but not when it's like non-black people of color that's always like iffy Mm -hmm. do any of you guys have anything last minute to say before we wrap it up any last words is there anything you'd really want people to like walk away with learning about this oh maybe one thing at, at least for me it's like if you find, this goes for, like, any gender, however you identify as, like, finding a person, like, whether they're, like, beautiful, even though they're, like, not white, that doesn't make you any less racist, Mm -hmm. because obviously racism is more than just, obviously, like, blanket racist statements. It's also a lot to do with, like, power and systematic racism and how whiteness is literally in everything and the power from that so I think people need to realize that just because you find someone attractive or you appreciate something of another culture or race that doesn't make you like not racist anymore so I guess that's what I would say I think I would say just again because I feel like this one is really just like widespread and not really acknowledged 
very much as not okay. But if you're <clears throat> one of the people that feels like that you have these preferences or a race, like you should really examine that and look at why you have that and acknowledge that that preference in itself is racist. And I would also say that if you feel like you're less racist, like Tasmim said, like just because you would date someone that is mixed race or light skin, like that you also need to examine that and acknowledge that as racist. Yeah, also that that choice to like eliminate um, your, like your preferences, there's a privilege within that. And so acknowledging that you have the privilege to just like push aside so many people and, and acknowledge like why that's wrong. Um, it's for a lot of people like we don't get to have that you don't get to have that choice yeah yeah okay well I think that was a great way to end it that was good thank you for joining me today I think that was definitely really good from the first part and this part I don't know about you guys but I know I just really liked what we had to say it went in directions I didn't expect it to go but I think it was all pretty good Thanks for listening to this episode. The next one will be about Greek life and racism with three students from Vanderbilt University. Make sure you stick around for that one. That I think will be very interesting considering how much Greek life is getting criticized a lot more than prior years in regards to race, class, and other things.